0: Hi, and welcome to Archery Ops Podcast brought to you by Gold Tip Arrows and Beastinger Stabilizers. On each episode, we talk to top experts in archery and bow hunting about what it takes to shoot better and hunt better, target after target, hunt after hunt, shot after shot. I'm your host, Tim Gillingham. Let's roll. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Gillingham with the new Archery Ops Podcast with Gold Tip. Uh, this is episode number nine. I'm here with uh, Alan Bolin. Uh, many of you may not know Alan. Alan's a a good friend of mine and one of the gold tip staff shooters but he's a very renowned bow hunter and a very neat guy that uh has a passion for pursuing not just any animals but large animals and we'll get into that in a bit here uh his deal is he 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 told me he likes Boone and Crockett animals with a bow and <laughs> he's got the moxie to pass up uh something like 22 doll sheep without shooting one yet so i mean i couldn't do that but uh yeah. Welcome, Alan. And hey, nice Tim. to have you
1: here. Yeah, buddy, G- good to get together.
0: Yeah, it's uh, this this podcast is going pretty good. Our, our goal of the podcast is to get people introduced to some of the technical expertise in the industry, yeah. some of the real you know, movers and shakers in the industry, the guys that are experts in their category. Really, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning, mm-hmm. we want to get a real good ground floor under this thing, and then I'm, my goal is to bring people in that that people don't really know that that yeah. are experts in their category that may be real experts on penetration. I got a guy in Australia, for example, that shot 400 water buffalo. With oh,
1: so he knows it. He probably knows yeah. a bit about
0: penetration. Yeah. Right? No so, kidding. That's cool. Um, you are kind of a, an adventure bow hunter, I guess you'd say you've killed- I mean,
1: yeah, I, I'm out in the field as much as I possibly can sure. be, but I also love, I love technology and mm-hmm. I love doing things right. I, I, yeah. I mess with my equipment all the time. I do, a lot of the stuff I do, I like, it's from yeah. you, and, you and Kevin, right? Yeah, we've you, had a lot of conversations. Yeah, you, you so. guys like got me started down the right path and I like doing all my own stuff. Sure. You know, I'll have even somebody like you or Kevin tune my bow and get it back. I'm like, nah, nah, yeah. I got it. I know, nah, I like, you know, just because it's like so personal, you know? So I'm yeah. I'm way into the gear and I'm way into the hunt.
0: Well, that's one of the important things that, that people need to understand is that a bow shop cannot tune your bow, Yeah, okay? You yeah. have to take responsibility as a bow hunter to learn how, to learn the lore of bow hunting. You gotta yeah. learn how to, to, if you want the most out of your equipment, you know, you have to learn how to make it work for you. And as a professional shooter, it's even, you know, I had a podcast with Paige Pierce yesterday and, mm-hmm. and we talk a lot about that, about taking responsibility about If you're going to call yourself a professional, you need to learn the game. Okay. Yeah. You need to learn your equipment. You need to learn what makes good, good, better, and great. You know, yeah. you know, there's different categories. I've went in the field hunting
1: with bows that i didn't take enough time with and they ended up mm-hmm. burning me you know well you know so th- the thing is it's it's, it's I, I agree with you definitely and and like that's what i do but i do realize also that your recreational weekend warrior sure. bow hunter is like this stuff is witchcraft yeah it like there's a <laughs> lot to it and i think that a bow shop can get you 75 percent of the way there and you know you They can get you somewhat, a good bow shop can get you somewhat tuned and you're going to be flying pretty well. And if you have the right broadhead and you test it a little bit, like you're probably going to be okay, Mm -hmm. but there's another level, right? There's another level that the really finicky hunter and like tuning for a hunting rig is way, in my opinion, it's way more difficult than tuning for a target rig because you got to make that broadhead fly.
0: Yeah. broadheads definitely, I mean, it's, you're, you're right. It it throw,
1: it's a completely different variable. And uh, it, it just—it's I mean, a challenge,
0: right? You know, the target is—it's really the same to a certain degree. If I take large diameter arrows, for example, and I want to shoot them at fifty yards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they have a large surface area. Okay, mm-hmm. so they have—they have to be tuned a little different. If I shoot a bow at three hundred forty foot a second, I have to shoot that bow a little different. I know you've never seen that, but <laughs> no, at 5'8", eight, I've never seen that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, but it, it's all kind of the same. But yes, the, a lot of the industry is. I call it dumbed down to the thirty yard whitetail hunter, but that yeah. is the majority of the market. That's so, right. but I challenge people, and one of my goals is to create a, uh, a a training website. You know, my my name I want to use is I Can Archery. Simple to the point. I Can Archery. I can yeah. archery. I grew up with a mother that told me every time I said I can't, she's like, yeah.
1: get out there and do it. So, you know, so Jim, so dude, if you came up with a training resource, I mean, it would be. Freaking incredible! There's so much garbage out there. Yeah, there is. A like lot, it, yeah. it's it, and it's regurgitated stuff. Mm-hmm. People trying to explain something they don't actually understand. Yeah, and a guy like you who's actually thought through this crap, like it would be incredible. Well, I think it's important to teach
0: people what they're doing rather than just how to do it. Yeah, because once you understand why you're doing it, you'll be able to an- analyze different setups, different sites, mm-hmm. different this, different that, and you'll be able to actually make an educated decision as to how to how to get from A to Z. But you know. And what's good, better, invest in, yeah. in every category. So,
1: well, the guys who really understand stuff like you never stop questioning. You know, I remember, you know, I, I three, four years ago or something, you know, you were telling me I was bear shaft tuning. You're like, don't do that, it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I'm like, you know, and I listened and I, and I, and I use, I today I use your tuning method of from five yards through paper. Sure. Right? And it's, it's the best way to do it. But I noticed a few months ago, you're experimenting with bear shaft tuning. You like no, wanted to prove no, it to yourself. You're always asking no, questions.
0: That, that's not necessarily the truth. I use a bear shaft. Now, if you go in Gold Tips YouTube channel, there's a lot of resources there for you guys that want to learn this stuff. Yeah. I've got 11 video series on our Gold Goldtip YouTube channel, which is my tuning process. It's what I, what I do. And I correlate bear shaft tuning to broadhead tuning to paper tuning. Mm-hmm. And I will use a bear shaft when I don't have paper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's always very cautionary because until I can qualify that a bear shaft actually reacts dynamically the same through paper mm-hmm. as my fletch shaft or my broadhead shaft. So yeah. let's just look what you got here. Yeah.
1: So you got two different arrows here. And both of those, by the way, are carried in the same quiver at the same time. Yeah. And they both group together 100 yards. Yeah. You barely draw the bow back.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's just look at this for example. If I did this on my bow with these two different length heads, Mm-hmm. number one they wouldn't even shoot the same tear
1: not even close interesting
0: okay and the harder you push a, the harder you push the spine on an arrow the more you're going to see those variables come up yeah and which bra- i am
1: pushing the spine i'm only shooting 340s but yeah. they're 25 and three quarter inches of carbon right so like I said, when, when, you know, Alan's got, what you draw like now? 28 and a half. 28 and a half. So he's probably really stretching to
0: get that. Oh, I am.
1: Yeah. Like, no, my, my string loops, like three eighths of an inch oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my release comes back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm pushing you it. You got the equalizer. Yeah. I, 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 I tweak everything to get more draw length. Like yeah. if I shot a straight up release, like my standard like length, hear? I'd probably be shooting 27 So do you
0: anchor back in here?
1: So I anchor bone mm-hmm. on bone. My, well, where's the string come to? My punch across my nose and then through here. Okay, so on a so steep, it's actually a yeah. really low anchor point. Sure, which gives me a ton of like I get 145 yards out of my sight. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But way. I'm bone on bone punching knuckle against the flat edge of the back of my jawbone. Yeah. Right short axle axle bows probably mm-hmm. allow that. Now when
0: I go to short axle, I have to kind of tip my head down a little bit. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, which I don't. I kind of like that feel. Yeah. You know of locking in. But uh, okay. You know, what we're trying to explain to you is is Alan's power stroke length versus my power stroke length. It's like a short golf swing and a long doll swing or a More tall bull off. rider or a short bull rider. Yeah. There's advantages and disadvantages to, to every, you know, size, shape, what have you. So the, what what he sees is not necessarily what I'm going to see. So, you know, you have to be a student of the game and you have to learn what works for you. Paige and I talked about this a lot, you know, in mm-hmm. Vita Archery, for example. It's heavily coached. And because you got a lot of young kids coming in and the coaches aren't necessarily your best shooters, mm-hmm. but they're there because they're available and they kind of just follow the status quo because, you know, they never, a lot of them didn't take the time to, they weren't great shooters. So they didn't have, you know, the repertoire to,
1: to really mm-hmm. delve into it. So they if you can't, us- if you can't do teach, right, they, they they've said people have said
0: that yeah teaching stuff <laughs> in this sport people will spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go on hunts and not two nickels to learn how to shoot a bow when no oh, it's unbelievable man. i could probably take most people in in two hours and prove they're shooting a hundred percent
1: you know i go on a lot of a lot of like high-end hunts with good outfitters and they hate bow hunters yeah they do because of all the bad experiences I've, i went with this guy in oregon the uh two years ago and now this is hunting out of a blind for black-tailed deer mm-hmm. over like alfalfa, right? Right. So you're making a 20-yard shot. They had seven out of eight guys wound deer at 20 yards. That that out of a freaking ground blind. And in and, and his defense, I would hate bow hunters too. Yeah. If that's the kind of result you're getting, like people, the guys show up, they, they they don't know. And And I guess part of the problem too is he's booking a lot of like the SCI crowd. Yeah. Like the really wealthy, well, that's or just what, crazy. I don't know, those it, guys just, have
0: the resources to bring somebody like me into. I mean, if they I brought know. me in one time, I'd give them the basic fundamentals that would make them a good archer the rest of their life, yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I'm i not even going to name names, yeah. But I have a friend, you know, who Steve Cobreen is. I just a, named a name, Steve Cobreen, yeah. Well, Steve's a good guy, <laughs> super technical, yeah. He and I are like twins, man. Okay, okay, he's six six, and just. The guy's like the quintessential British Explorer guy. I'm going to bring him on this podcast. We're going to have to do a series with him. This guy's got more stories, and it's amazing to Mm -hmm. to listen to him. I'm actually going to Africa with one of his best friends. So I'm really looking forward to this guy's about my size, too. And so we're going to spend a little time. This guy wants to – you know, he's looking forward to me coming over and actually – helping him i'm taking two bows for him one one's a buffalo bow and one's his regular bow and i'm going to teach him the basic fundamentals and he's mm-hmm. giving me a good deal on the hunt because we're mm-hmm. gonna you know he's gonna get something out of it i'm gonna get something yeah out yeah, of it. yeah. it should be a really good time but steve had a bow hunter over one time he said i put this guy and we all know this guy i mean this guy's killed <laughs> a couple of super slams with a bow, <laughs> but yeah it's just the shooting skills. The guy had target panic pretty bad. And he said, I put him on a beach just shooting at a you know, a, a box or something. He said, Come back like twenty minutes later, he hadn't even hit the box.
1: Yeah. And he's like
0: I was like, Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. But No, there's yeah, I I outfitted for seventeen years. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. Like the guys that you know, some of the guys you know and you've heard of, they they can't shoot. I get
0: this question a lot how important are my stabilizers well stabilizers probably one of the most important things on my bow its job is to control the motion before during and after the shot that helps us hold steady it helps hold the bow still while the bow is loading and unloading from full draw to static and it also controls the bow against our mistakes so it makes it more forgiving with beastinger you get a lightweight high-modulus bar with vibration dampening built into the bar. This is very critical in terms of getting the most out of your stabilization system. If you want to learn more, check out beastinger.com. You know, when I, I was telling you a story earlier about almost winning a stone sheep hunt, and, uh, we're in a, in a second here. We're going to talk about Alan's stone sheep behind us here. Cause it's a absolute toad. And, uh, Dallas Smith won a, sh- a sheep hunt yeah. that here in the drawing. Oh, yeah, that was the end. The outfitter didn't even want to take him. Bow
1: I know. Wasn't going right. to take him bow hunting. He had to talk it, him
0: into it. Because it kills their, you know, hunter success ratios and stuff. And I understand, because I've doll sheep hunted with a bow. I've killed one with a bow. Yeah. I think I went on three hunts when I lived in Alaska or four, and it, mm-hmm. it's not
1: easy. You know? Finding an outfitter that wants to work with you. It's a challenge, and especially with what I'm after. Like, so yeah. I'm I'm trying to kill a Boona Crockett doll. Yeah, that's tough, and that's a story. Like, there's only been two ever killed with bow in history. Oh, really? Yeah, and Tony Russ, Tony Russ, and, and then um, um uh, they, he's an outfitter on the in the Yukon. I just his Is name Greg just it, no, it's not not Greg McHale. Um, he's a good buddy of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, but he, so he owns an outfit in the Yukon. And he's killed. He's the only person on Earth who's killed a stone and a doll, Boone and Crockett with a bow.
0: Yeah, that's that's out of my pay. Grade. And
1: but it, <laughs> but both of them are off the same mountain. And the the sheep yeah. were probably brothers. Oh wow. We found a black hair on one, so it became a stone. Right. Interesting. But anyway, I mean, it, it's thin horn, thin horn sheep. Like you cannot buy a big thin horn. It doesn't exist. Right. Like 170 inch thin horn doll sheep. There's five a year killed in the world with any weapon, yeah. out of Thousands yeah, you know, of sheep I, harvested between Alaska, yeah. the Yukon, Northwest Territories. It's like a, it's like a unicorn. Yeah, basically. I killed
0: a 13 and a half year old ram. Oh, that's awesome. And I believe we scored him out somewhere around 159. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I 170 mean, that's an old sheep.
1: Or, 170 is. Maybe it's, only a,
0: maybe it's 11 and a half. 11 and a half sounds wrong. Right. I yeah. think he's
1: just a really old ram. No, that's a beautiful. I mean, it, the prime. Like yeah. anything over 10 is unbelievable. But, you know, they this don't ram here is actually 14. Yeah. It's a it's extremely rare, and I got very very lucky
0: on this. This this stone sheep, Alan killed behind us here, is just an absolute monster.
1: Number two in the world, you said. Yeah, and and it's the it's actually the the largest general season ram ever killed because the number one was killed on like a governor's tag in oh, November okay. kind of thing, like not like in it's office run, so machine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This ram, so I was you know. When you walk, you can't just walk up to an outfitter and say, hey, I want to hunt a Boone and Crockett stone around with my bow. Yeah. I mean, they will literally laugh you out of the trade show. Right. Like, it's not. So you have to, like, approach this the right way. You have to, like, start to build a relationship, start to talk to them. You can't just drop that on somebody. Because it's such an impossible thing. And so I became, I started, you know, talking to Aaron Florian at UConn Stone quite a bit. And I told him, ultimately I told him what I was after. And he's like, you realize that's almost impossible. And I said, yeah, I know. And and I'm willing to come home with nothing. And you know, Tim, on 70% of my hunts, I come home with nothing. That's crazy. I man. just, like, I don't, I just don't, like it. the thing is like, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily happy about coming home with anything, but killing something that I didn't want wouldn't like make me happier. So it's not like I could fix the problem, right? You, I just have to keep hunting. So Aaron said, I have this area that, that I, I located uh, in the records, excuse me, like in the, not the records, like record books, but in the old Yukon, like they keep records of where everything was killed. And back in the early 80s and 70s, there's this mountain range in my area that they were killing sheep off of. And all of a sudden, like in 1983, nobody killed any more sheep after that. And what happened is the area was sold and the, the knowledge was never passed on. So he's like, I think there's sheep in there. We're going to go scout it this summer, and nobody has hunted that area since 1983. Holy cow. And I said, freaking sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) And so I booked the hunt, and I mean, it was $50,000 I didn't have. And I mean, it was like, I'm not a rich guy. I spend every dime hunting, you know? Yeah. And anyway. pull that one
0: off. I'd get in trouble.
1: uh, Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) you get in trouble if they know about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty big slush fund that we don't know about. (laughs) But anyway, so so I went on this hunt and we we went in there. our stone sheep hunt. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, I forgot it zero, <laughs> but um, we went in there and uh, I mean this ram, there was fourteen rams, thirteen rams in there, and this one and actually another ram that was one seventy was in there, and I killed this ram on day two, and it was it was interesting like when we went in there, those sheep had never seen a human being, That's crazy. and when we left, those sheep had never seen a human being. Really? Yeah, we killed this round. They didn't even know what happened.
0: Isn't that the best?
1: It's the best. Isn't that
0: the very best feeling yeah. as a bow hunter? Yeah, you know, you're I was so to, stealthy that. Yeah, yeah. I went to Alaska last year and I shot two caribou. Neither one of them knew I was there. But I remember having this sheep conversation with. The outfitter, because we did a drop camp, yeah, and we're back at the lodge waiting to get picked up, and he's talking about a guy he had come in bow hunt for sheep, and they had a video of this guy shooting five arrows over the top of his back in a group like that in the rocks, <laughs> and, and they hate, they kind of hated bow hunters. I mean, to that, yeah, because they're like, if you're a bow hunter and you pass up a legal sheep, we're firing
1: you. Yeah, no, <laughs> and they it's... got,
0: they said they had one guide that was crazy, and. Would just, I said, that's the guy I want if I'm coming. He's like, well, you can have him. because <laughs> they yeah. didn't like the work it took to get a sheep with a no, bow. No, it is
1: a lot of work, you know. As an outfitter, like bow hunters are, you know, the rifle hunters for mountain goats, you know, you're done in the Simple. first day or two. Simple. And yeah. With a bow hunter, you're in there eight days grinding. Yeah, and it's, but See, it's what it, you yeah. sign up for, and you got to find an outfitter that's okay with that. Yeah, um, yeah. So this sheep ended up being the largest ram killed out of the Yukon in 50 years with any weapon. It was, it's pretty, like a once in a thousand lifetimes. That's pretty
0: special to have yeah, that in your repertoire. It's,
1: it's, it's the best animal I'll ever lay eyes on in my life. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so 70, what? 70, uh, he scored 176. Um, he's 45 and five eights long. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's just, crazy. Long. Unbelievable. That's round. crazy long. Cause so like Tony
0: Russell's world record doll was 42. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's 171 inch. It, it, yeah. That, that area has a little better mass. So, I've heard they've
0: just, just that whole sheep population on the Chugak mountain range is yeah. Bad now. Yeah,
1: I don't I mean there's occasionally a, a big ram killed out of there, obviously, but um I mean it's iconic, but I don't know that it is what it was. I mean it's definitely not what it, it was. Is anywhere. Yeah. You
0: know? You know, there's just more people want to hunt and not enough animals, you know, and then we have winters like last year that yeah. that destroy everything. So
1: I just finished my seventh doll sheep hunt this summer.
0: Yeah. tell everybody how many doll sheep you've passed up with a bow. 28. <laughs> I've
1: passed 28 legal rams. That is insane. Yeah. I, he's
0: never killed a doll sheep with a bow. Yet he's passed up 28 legal rams. Yeah.
1: I passed that this summer. That's crazy. I, I passed up two that were over 160, which is probably top 10 in the world. Yeah, that's a nice sheep. It's, yeah. it's a damned good sheep. Yeah. yeah. And um but I, you know, I just You never want to get your
0: feet wet, you know, and then maybe. Go try to kill a bigger one?
1: You know, I kind of do, but I kind of don't because I don't, I've done that. Like I've, I've been on, I've learned, you know, like I'll be whitetail hunting and I'm after a giant and it's just the odds are low, low, low. Like this thing's showing up on camera, like once every 30 days and I'm at toward the end of my hunt. So I shoot you know, 155-inch buck or comes. something. <laughs> well, no, but when I walk up to that deer, it doesn't make me feel right. better. That's true. Yes. It doesn't, like, make me happy to shoot something that I didn't yeah, want. Yeah, the
0: pursuit is, you know, people think about even big animals, for example, that that you didn't work hard for. You know, they're not near as, have near as much gratification as the ones you just murdered yourself for. Yeah, you know? the hunt,
1: it's it's about the hunt. To me, I'm not a killer. I'm really not like, I'm not a guy who needs to go and kill something to, to like pound my, you know, pound my chest and boost my ego. Like I can come home with nothing. It doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I want, I know what I want and I have fun doing it. Like I'm not a guy who like, I come home empty handed and I didn't have fun. I have a freaking blast. To me, it's fun to hunt giants.
0: There's a lot of, there is a lot of pressure to, you know, to, you know, for me, I guess you'd say in some of the people industry to, to always put animals on.
1: Put on social or whatever, on social or yeah. whatever,
0: or you know, validate yourself as a hunter. And, sure, you know, I went on that hunt thirteen days this year. Probably walked one hundred and twenty miles, just fifteen hundred vertical. One, you know, two or three times a day, just yeah, killing it. Yeah, yeah.
1: And on a tag that takes a long time to draw. Yeah,
0: and you just feel the pressure building as you get closer and closer yeah. to the end. And but you know, it's so funny. At the end, I just we did a real recap video, and it was like I just I felt content. You know, mm-hmm. I was okay mm-hmm. not killing one, finally, yeah. you know, and that's, that's not a, that's not normal. I mean, I mean, I normally, I, 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 I thought it was a dead ringer, you know, when I started, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. just a matter which one do I want, you know? Right. And, but, but the back of yours very reserved and understands how difficult it truly is to harvest animals with you a bow hunt. You gotta have a
1: little luck. Like yeah, you hunt. at least, I mean, it is very possible on a bow hunt to do everything right and just have a little bit of bad luck that doesn't. Let it all happen. You can't always control it.
0: Obviously, you, you know, you're you an expert hunter. You're probably really
1: sneaky, too. I kind of look at the fact it's like evolution. I had hey. to learn to shoot good because I'm not very sneaky. I'm Well, six. you're too big. <laughs> you know, everybody says, hey, you got a short draw length. I'm like, yeah, but I'm super little. Did
0: you ever know Lon Lobber? <laughs> yeah. Lon was that way. Lon told me a story one time. He followed a sheep on the Kenai Peninsula for eight straight days. Jeez. Eight straight days. He yeah. got out of there. He had a liver disorder. He killed the sheep. Waited for the fog bank to roll in, come in, killed this nice 38-inch ram. And, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, he was like a little troll. He just, <laughs> he, he he always got it done, it just yeah. seemed like. But uh, yeah, he was he was one of the guys I grew up around in Alaska, and he mm-hmm. was always out and about. Finger shooter. I He probably missed more fingers than right. I I would hate to think about, you know. Yeah, so. no kidding. That would be tough. Rich Moran was another guy. He killed, a, mm-hmm. I think he had the number two doll sheep for a while. Up there I've heard Alaska. the name, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he and I were up on the Kenai there one year, and I I kind of passed his camp in the pre-dawn. <laughs> and uh I get on these two rams, and I, I'd actually kind of got on them and then they they, they moved and they bedded right on this little ledge, and I snuck up on the ledge. So it was before rangefinders. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm finally gonna kill one with a bow. And I'm ju- I'm I'm seeing them, I'm judging them at like 40 yards, and and I drew, popped up over. Well, they they stood up and turned hard on me. And I put my pin right, you know, for an hard angle shot. Yeah. Right as I touched it off, that sucker took a step and just turned a little bit and shot him right through the butt cheeks. I was just like, Are you kidding me?
1: I was oh, just man. devastated.
0: And I never hit anything. I followed that sheep all the way up and he was busting my chops later about it. You should have got closer. I'm like, dude, how much yards. closer can I get? Yeah. I <laughs> mean know? these are sheep. Yeah, seriously. I shot mine at, uh, when I drew that chugak tag, I actually killed that sheep three days before I moved from Alaska. Mm -hmm. And- you got it just in. I learned a lot on that hunt. And I learned all this stuff from shooting tournament archery, okay? Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons I had it, made a successful shot on that animal was I had talked to a couple guys that had been on sheep on some you know the toke management area and things like mm-hmm. that you know and they're like you're gonna get shots but they're gonna be steep and it's really hard to know what to shoot them for and so on and so forth so I had been reading a book by Kirk Etheridge mm-hmm. and he in it he had it was my first introduction to a cut chart
1: okay mm-hmm. so he
0: had this little cosine about cut. what year was this oh 97 okay so yeah so he had this little cut chart in there. I laminated it, put it in my pack, and I had a little cheap angle meter I got at the yep, hardware store. Yep. Well, I ended up getting up on this sheep, and I'm I'm right above him. I angle it 55-degree slope Wow. at 46 yards. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I sit back on the cliff, and I get the chart Junior out. And trig. Like, I extrapolated it out yeah. a little bit, and I'm like, this thing's telling me to shoot it for 21 yards? That's crazy. Your, do you know how hard it is to do that?
1: Again, it's witchcraft, man. You know how hard it is shooting (laughs) at him for 21 yards when the
0: rangefinder is telling you 46? And it just absolutely center punched him. Yeah. And uh, I shot him twice. He never even moved. Went zip, zip. And then I crawled back around him and shot him again. And then he just fell over. That sheep never took one step. Is that right? Isn't that crazy?
1: Did you paralyze him with the first shot? I know it
0: went right under the backbone and down through. And he just... passed through. Didn't have the will to get up. I think he just knew his... Goose was cooked. Yeah, and dang. The man. great thing about it is, I this is a good story because I had shot. I swear, I ran into Tony Russ, and I won't get into that any further. But uh, um, I had watched these three rams go, or two rams go into this basin. So I grabbed three days' gear and went back up in. And I, the opening day, I had got on this ram, and I snuck up onto forty-eight yards. Perfect stock. He's bedded overlooking his vista. And I knew my rangefinder. This was this is a, the archery area? Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is the first year that Bushnell came out with that laser rangefinder. And I had the old, big old uh-huh. Bushnell rangefinder. I remember that. Yeah. And there was something wrong with it. I didn't know what it was. But like anything, I, some things I just don't take time to learn what the problem was. Probably should have read the directions. But I knew if I added 10% to it, it was right. Well, it was on meters in retrospect.
1: Uh-huh. So I sneak up on this sheep.
0: <laughs> I range it 48 yards. I, this is the last time I ever used a single pin sight in my life. For all you people that like single pin sights, this is why I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I dial the sight to 52. Perfect shot. He has no clue I'm there. And I blew a chunk of hair off top of his back, and I was just sick. I was sick. He jumps up. Turns and runs about 10 yards. Now I got a single pin and I'm like, "Uh, we'll oh, yeah, yeah. just hold it about there. Yeah. and I Clipped his ear. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was just <laughs> devastated. <laughs> and I was trying to get out of Alaska. So I'd called my brother and I ended up, had but to You leave. were going to kill your sheep before you moved. No, I had to leave. Okay. I flew to Omaha to interview for the railroad. Cause that's, you know, he got me a job at the railroad and they kept me down there for two weeks. So I got home. I had four days left and I went back in there and I ended up, seeing seven rams on the mountain all excited get up in the morning and it's just pea soup fog to the river you can't see a thing yeah and i saw one ram in the fog up there and i snuck in around it was this ram and ended up killing him and he had a chunk of hair off top of his back and his ear clipped
1: no way yeah no way same sheep on the other side of the mountain that is cool that neat story that is amazing yeah so and did you suspect that or when you no, came. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> you know, it was yes. always like, well, is he
0: big enough? I'm like, I was really happy with him when I oh, got up to great. him. Oh, that's
1: great. 11-year-old Ram, I mean. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. And it was funny yeah. as I kind of, Tony was
0: sitting there watching that Ram, and I kind of accidentally bumped it off him. Mean, he got all mad at me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's kind of uptight. I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I've, heard, I've
1: heard that from a couple people. Huh? Yeah.
0: So anyway, let's kind of cover, I mean, g- give us some of your, like, strategies for, different sheep. You have a really big mountain goat over yeah. here you've killed too. What? Tell yeah. us a little bit about
1: that too. Yeah, that was- That's a BC goat? I'm pretty goat. sure that was the first Boone and Crockett animal I ever killed. It was, it was in 2005. And um, that was actually the world record when I shot it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's a hammer. Yeah, it's, I mean, a, that thing's it's a good one. He's 52 and six eights. That's crazy big. Um, and, you know, so the way, so, you know, people, there's a lot of guys into the super slam, you mm-hmm. know, killing all 29. Um, I have like zero interest in that. Like, I don't like. I don't want to like rush through that experience. I mean, I would love to hunt all twenty nine species in North America, and sure, I'd love to shoot them all. But I don't want to shoot anything small. Yeah, I don't even want to shoot anything medium sized. Yeah, I want to shoot like giants. And you're just an overachiever. Well, I just. (laughs) <laughs> I I I, mean, I don't know. I just love challenge. Yeah. I love challenge, and I know what it takes to kill a boon and Crockett animal. It's extremely difficult. Like, yeah. most people hunt a lifetime and never see one. Right. You know, and I want to go, like, I, I'm working through the 29, and I'll never get to 29 because I don't move on to a new species until I've killed a Booner. So, like, I've, I've been through – I've, I've killed eight species now, boon and Crockett, yeah. which I think is – more than so a- anyone So what, what else. animals do
0: you have that are, that are
1: Boone and Crockett now? So I have a mountain goat, a grizzly. I have three caribou, three of the five species of caribou. So I'm close to getting a Boone and Crockett caribou slam. Oh, wow. Which I don't think's ever been done with a Caribou rifle. are so cool. Down They're a freaking fine. I love them. They're freaking fine. Yeah. So that's five. And then I've got um, stone sheep, bison, and sitka black-tailed deer.
0: Now you killed that bison here in Utah, right?
1: Yeah, that's state record. It's right here behind me. Yeah, so he was, you know, he's a dandy.
0: Since I was a little kid, like little, we didn't yeah. have a TV growing up and I read lots of books. Yeah. Still to this day, if I shoot a buffalo, I just have this like burning desire to do it like the Indians did and ride it down
1: on a horse and stab it.
0: <laughs> and I I think the only guy I, I honestly,
1: could, that's the last thing I expected you to say. The,
0: the only guy <laughs> I think I could talk into that, I tried to get Nugent, I don't think he would do it, but Tim Wells would do it. I know. Oh, he would. yeah. So, if, Tim, if you hear this, come on man let's do so it so
1: do you ride a horse well
0: i can learn anything but, and i imagine you use a recurve right you have to yeah, use a recurve recurve or a little yeah i got Indian friends and i kind of posed the idea to him i was like would that be disrespectful if a white guy wanted to do that he said hell no we'd laugh our ass off dude that would be <laughs>
1: so freaking cool i just i
0: don't know what it is it just that seems so like you just romanticize that
1: I would that you know. I would do anything to be there for that. That would be amazing. It would have to. There would have to be a lot of preparation to something. I think that it would be. um, There might be some injuries. (laughs) They say
0: everything worth having has risk
1: associated with it. (laughs) I I mean, you're like running full speed on a horse, which yeah, like they do that. Have you seen those Turkish archers? I know they do it. I have a friend. These guys probably spend like a thousand hours, like, well, yeah, you know. I
0: mean, they ride horses. I mean, I can ride a horse. I mean, I got long legs. Yeah. Just got
1: to have a, you know, Comanche style. And you got to learn to move with it. I I mean, yeah, put it's it all, all in the stirrups and you're going to stand up and you're going to. It would all be about the
0: horse. Yeah. Oh man, that would be insane. But can you imagine doing that bareback like the Indian used to do? It? Oh, no. That, no, I can't imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. Really kind of simple. Keep your mind in the middle, right? <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> uh that, that's yeah. my strategy yeah
1: i wonder where that would be legal
0: uh i'm pretty sure the the Ute indian, indian reservation yeah probably
1: probably south there's, dakota there's plenty of like huge high fence places where things are yeah i wild. don't know it's just i don't know it's maybe it's just a i don't care if it's a wild buffalo or a tame buffalo you run it with a horse it's going to be an adventure i would i've heard they're fast (laughs) dude they move i've heard they're faster than horses you know on the henry's where i shot this thing the it's probably a bad place to do it (laughs) yeah the henry's would be a very bad place (laughs) there's no way you're going to run a horse i mean it's it's so rough right yeah but the bison were spookier than the deer i've heard that you know like you'll you'll drive be driving up on and you literally 190 inch buck standing off the road at 40 yards chewing its cud looking at you never had that ever. and then yeah the henry's is incredible and then you'll drive down the road and there's some bison and they see the truck and they take off running you're like how is it that that 190 inch buck is less spooky than these bison i mean they're they're wired up hmm. it's it's a cool hunt i got i got that was one of those hunts that i just got lucky like it just killed it opening morning yeah we, we found it the night before and, and it's kind of a crazy story because, um, I hired a guide for that because it, it's like a very rare tag and I wanted right. to make sure to maximize my odds. It's I, amazing. I do a lot of stuff on my own, but yeah, you know, I don't hunt bison. Is like it? I've never done that. You know, I want to, I need help. Right. It's so right. I know when that, that's the case, but, um, but he had spent the entire summer there scouting deer and. The big, you know, he found a couple of nice bison, but nothing like this guy. They were like, maybe barely book. And, and he's like, look, this is the best I found. Like I got there a few days early. He's like, let's scout three, three more days hard and see what we come up with. If not, and, and getting toward like the the end of the last day, we're like, well, we're just going to have to go hunt one of those, those two we found. And right on the last day before the opener, we, we spotted this guy right at dark and he was just a giant. And the next morning we killed them. It was amazing. I really respect
0: the guys like, you know, yourself. Sean Morgan's another guy. It's like the amount of work they put in to kill animals is crazy. It's like I don't – I guess I don't value it that much, but it's like somebody told me the story about Sean killed that big buck on the Oak Creeks and and, uh, Doyle Moss and his crew was headed up to – whack it and, yeah i mean i was talking to, was to the it.
1: lemon boys were they, they were all over that deer all summer
0: yeah and sean just,
1: they didn't have an archery hunter though
0: and sean just uh he came
1: in underneath everybody yeah and, yeah
0: yeah he's a hunter he's a hunter for him to kill the amount of big deer on the wasatch front like mm-hmm. right behind us here that's mm-hmm. impressive you got three big bucks over here four i mean man yeah. them are big deer yeah. i mean to kill them on the wasatch front with all the pressure and it's an archery only area, but it's just steep and deep and brutal. And I've killed a lot of deer up there, but I've yeah. maybe it's because I shoot all the small ones. That's my problem.
1: Well, I don't know. I got lots of I mean, lessons.
0: I got two or three lessons on a couple giants.
1: Yeah, I, I, you, you kill nice animals. I mean, I've seen, I've seen what you kill. You're not killing small ones, um, but they're not. You know, they're they're representative or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's you know, you you have like you know there's a small animal and there's, also a, there's a nice rec- one and there then there's the rare giant
0: i recognize that i don't put as much into it i i like the hunting experience uh, I'll, I'll bomb up for the morning and mm-hmm. and go before daylight and hunt and then maybe i'll go two days later i don't yeah. i don't like
1: i'm not die hard about it anymore there's no right to be. there's no right or wrong way to do it yeah like people need to do what they like you know some people like to just go kill stuff and yeah. some people like Whatever, like, hey, I want a nice four point buck and I'm gonna, you know, and that's fine. And like, I have zero like criticism of any of that. I just like something different. Sure, absolutely. You know, and to me, it's like, I like, well, I mean, I I respect
0: that, that, that drive to do that, you know, that the all in nature that it takes to do that, because that's what it takes. I mean, it's just like, and I don't have time. I'm that Mm -hmm. way in my archery, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm all in. I'll stay up every hour of the night. That's right. Yeah. I just, I like that technical. I'm into air rifles now, too, and it's kind of the same yeah. thing. It's like this uncharted territory and i I just love digging into it and learning
1: mm-hmm. think about how much knowledge there is of the science of archery that's happened in the last twenty years since yeah. you know you started getting way into it. yeah, it's crazy how much we know now, yeah, compared to like you read a book you know a book written written, written about tuning bows or whatever that was written in the eighties right It's unbelievable how. Like they didn't know how basic, how basic yeah. it is.
0: Yeah. 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 I had to learn everything the hard way. I mean, people told me one thing and you know, you did another thing. And I remember taking the old satellite rod heads out and they did a big loop and you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and you have no idea. And then paper tuning come on board and then drop away rest was a big deal. Yeah. And we had all kinds of crappy drop away rest, yeah. just like we had all kinds of crappy compounds before think, we had good I compounds.
1: Think first drop away, wasn't it a trophy taker?
0: No, no, Golden Key for sure. Oh, Golden Key, yeah. I don't. it was probably even before that, but Golden Key was kind of some of the first, and it was very like sloppy tolerances. I remember when
1: I showed up to the Wednesday night archery league at Jake's Archery with the dropway, mm-hmm. and people were like, "What is that?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool. It gets out of the way the fletching." I read about it on Archery Talk, yeah, you know, or whatever it was, you know, and yeah. like that was. Well, it was probably before Archery Talk. Maybe I don't know. At least that's that's when I started shooting them. I don't know. Maybe I have my timeframes mixed up a little, but yeah, but, um, we used to use the NAP flipper rest. I remember shooting star hunters and carbon arrows come out. That
0: was always a trick because you had these micro diameter beamens and PC carbons. And you're like, how am I going to get clearance on this little tiny thing? And you used to shoot these star carbon. Yeah. Wrestle star hunters. and, you know, you just kind of crashing through it a little bit. And mm-hmm. then the whisker biscuit. And I never did shoot a whisker biscuit. <laughs> I've never. Whisker biscuit offended all my sensibilities.
1: Hey, <laughs> whisker biscuits for kids, man.
0: Hey, <laughs> tell Jake Jacobson that or, or Pete Shepley. They, they love that thing. I know. My buddy, I Russ, mean, you know, Russ and Korsky Richardson down in Arizona?
1: Mm-hmm. They both love the whisker biscuit. Yeah. So. I know. I mean, I get it, but I just say that for kids. Yeah. 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 So strategies
0: on... Uh, Let's say if somebody wanted to go plan a mountain
1: goat hunt, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, yeah, so, like, mountain goat is readily available in B.C. and Alaska. Like, you can book a hunt with an outfitter, guaranteed tags. I think it's one of the easiest animals to kill with a bow. Just got to get up to them. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they're definitely different in Alaska and B.C. than they are, say, on Tim. Yeah. Like the ones on Temp, they're used sure. to tourists. Well, your best camo on Timp is like a bright orange shirt and carry a camera. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to think you're a tourist and they're going to let you walk right my, up to them. My wife would disagree because she had a tag a few years ago. We hiked up the backside of Temp and I I scared the crap out of her. First, we went up Big Cottonwood one day. And well, I uh, they they live in some nasty yeah. stuff in these Utah mountains. Like some some yeah. unhuntable stuff. I, I've seen them up in the backside of uh the Klutna there in
0: Alaska, where I was hunting yeah. sheep, and they were in some stuff that I ain't going there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, and if you
1: killed one, they'd fall. Yeah, two thousand. Their article. defense is, you know, they. It's funny how animals are. Like, you know, y- you spook a whitetail, and it's going to go hide. Right. You know, y- you spook an antelope, and it's just going to get distance on you. Right. It, you know, keep an eye on you, but it just wants to be way out there. Right. Y- you spook a goat, it's going to be in plain sight in the middle of a five hundred foot cliff. Right. And it knows it can't get to you. Like they have different defense mechanisms, but I've killed five mountain goats with my bow, uh, two booners. Um, and I guided mountain goats for 17 years. Yeah, um, I I think that, I think British Columbia is a really good place to go, especially the coast of BC. They kill some giants. Yeah, th- I just Really talk- the Southeast yeah. Alaska too. Yeah. From Southeast Alaska down the coast of BC, that's where your biggest goats are. And the terrain isn't, like you go into the Rockies and they live in these huge cliff faces on the coast mountains stream
0: elevation too. That's bad. I killed my winters. It was 13,000 feet. Yeah. There you go. That's hard to breathe in.
1: Yeah. And on the coast, like we're hunting goes at 4,500 feet. Yeah. that's Now the mountains are steep because you're starting at sea level. Sure. So it's 4,500 feet out of the ocean. Right. But, and you know, it's not like it's easy to climb, but you know, you're not dealing with that thin air. And the, the goats don't tend to live in the cliffs. They'll go to the cliffs if you spook them, but they live in the benches. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. There's not a, a lot of wolves on the coast. Usually there's there's very few mountain lions and in most areas there aren't mountain lions. That's interesting. So they don't have a lot of natural predation. You know, there's grizzlies, um, but they just hang out in the benches and they're very stockable. You know, I've, I've killed all my goats, you know, inside of 60 yards.
0: I was going to ask you what percentage of them are jumpers, you know, and all the animals you've guided, goats, because that's a yeah. that's can be a problem. The the second goat I ever killed, yeah, he fell and fell, yeah, and, yeah, fell yeah. and fell and we, fell. We we
1: had very, I mean, we we killed fifteen to twenty goats a year, and we had very very few take falls. That's crazy. Yeah, I had one get bust, like broke his skull plate and yeah. but i didn't in fact the one standing under that grizzly bear right there that's a boon and crockett goat and uh he took a heck of a fall That's a hell of a- um but yeah i mean it they they uh goats are goats are um they're made to bow hunt man they are they're isn't there yeah. something about a white
0: animal or a, that's why I love antelope hunting so much. Cause you can yeah. hunt them all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's probably the greatest thing about them is, is they're all day. They're visible. You can find them. Yep. Um, You know, of the guys I used to work with had a Nebo tag a couple, mm-hmm. few years ago and he about died on that hunt. That that yeah. was tricky. You gotta be very careful in that terrain because what happened to him was just kind of a fluke. He had shot this goat even at three thirty eight, 38 mm-hmm. and uh, instead of, one, I don't know, you tell me, but I my recommendation is if they're still standing, you keep shooting. Yeah, absolutely. And you anchor them because yeah. goats like to jump. And mm-hmm. this goat went out of sight and he was blood trailing and he's just sitting there on the side of the hill with his gun in his pack. And the whole hillside gave loose. No way. And he said, I'm just scrambling. I'm just like spread out like this and my gun hit a rock. And flip me over face first. Oh and my I went gosh. He said he went off of an embankment and he said, if I'd have kept going, it was 1,500 feet. That's where my goat was. And the goat yeah. was just absolutely destroyed. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, you got
1: to be careful, man. Sheep hunting, that's goat hunting, I ever came a lot of die. mule deer hunting. Yeah. You got to be careful. Yeah. I, I hate, like nothing gets me in a worse mood hunting than exposure. Yeah. Like when I'm, when I have a full pack on and my bow and I'm like hanging from my fingernails on a freaking rock, like I'm pissed. Oh, I know. Like it's, I hate that. It's, like, it's just not worth it. It's not. You're
0: right. It's not worth it. You got the one thing I learned, hunting goats and anything in steep terrain is you. You need to have concessions to put the pack, your bow on your pack. Yes. And absolutely. I never carry my bow in my pack until I'm in that situation, but because I'm always
1: trying to protect my sight and my rest and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that is an absolute must. When, when I'm sheep hunting, my bow's on my pack like the entire hunt. So until like I'm gonna stalk. So, do you shoot? You know, I had this podcast with Aaron Snyder, and we talked
0: about mm-hmm. bow weight. Okay. Yeah. So, when you set a bow up, and I shoot a bow heavier, better than I do a light bow. Yep. Do you lighten up for those hunts, or you just take your bow the way you set it up?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I shoot like my hunting bow has um, I think I think I run about five ounces on the stabilizer, and I use that low stabilizer mount point off the limb okay. pocket that Hoyt uses. That's a lot so of leverage. It adds a little more leverage and, and I, I feel like it shoots pretty well. I, of course, you know, my target rigs, you know, I'm running way more weight sure. and I could shoot better, but I just don't, I don't feel like I need that for hunting. Right. And, but you're I only, don't. Yeah, you're only trying to hit that. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you, if you're shooting 100 yards. But I if mean,
0: it's windy and it's, yeah. you know, you're
1: out of breath and yep. weight helps. I mean, it, it definitely, definitely helps. Stabilization yeah. is unbelievable. Oh, it does. Yeah. And I yeah.
0: think people taking, you know, don't think about the, using the quiver is stabilization. Right. You know, I'm not a massive fan of the quiverizer because in, in tournaments shooting, I, I'm, if you take a long stabilizer and you take weights off of it, mm-hmm. it does two things. It changes your tune and your impact. Point. Right. Right. And the more you take off of it, the more problem. You yeah. Have, the, so closer the you're, you're changing that. Yeah. The closer you put that stuff to your yeah. bow, the less change you're going to have. So mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, you have your quiver here and if you have an offset stabilizer here, yep. the two kind of counteract each yep. other. Right. Yep. So You know, a quiver full of arrows, when I'm doing all my sighting in, it's with all but one arrow in my quiver. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Because I do my tuning that way because that's how my first shot is going to come out of the bow. So
1: I shoot all summer with five arrows in my quiver. Yeah. Like everything I do, all my tuning, all my shooting. It's
0: it's funny. I gave Michael Waddell crap when I had mine because I'm like, you know what's funny? We Us Western guys, we watch all you Eastern guys come out here and you elk hunting, and all of a sudden you take Quiver off and lay it on the ground. I'm like, I know. what's he doing?
1: <laughs> Why would you ever? You know, you have to move. Like, I want my Quiver with me at all times.
0: I mean, like, I used to shoot ESPN great outdoor games, and Mike Slinker one year, he started Winner's Choice and has, uh, mm-hmm. know, what's his company now, that has Hex. Okay. He come one year with a thirty caliber magazine slotted out, and his arrows were like chunk, 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 chunk. I was like, man, that'd be cool. You just like chang, 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 chang. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. I was like, man, you're gonna
1: score one of them arrows and wear it. But yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I, you know, it is tempting when you're when you're carrying a freaking heavy pack. Yeah. You know, my my full pack with with the the, the bow attached to it and twelve days of food is gonna be over sixty pounds. Yeah, it, it's hard and to
0: get under that, isn't
1: it? It, it sucks, you know, yeah. and and. It would it would be really nice to lighten up that bow to shoot like a carbon bow with minimum stabilization all that, but you know at some point you just got to be accurate and I just whatever I don't even think about the weight of my bow I just have a a reasonable reasonable stabilization setup yeah. that's going to make me shoot okay and it, then I just hunt with and, it all and year. I always
0: coach people if you're going to go lighter say for a sheep hunt or something that you're going to pack in maybe. Instead of just getting rid of the weight, go longer on your bars. Yeah, okay. Go yeah. a little bit longer on your bars. Maybe run two bars, and you know, with less weight on the end of it, it'll have more stabilizing. Uh, makes effect. sense. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: double double the bars. It doubles. You, the you still keep of the, the weight. weight
0: down, but you're you're yeah. you're upping the leverage. Yeah. Yeah. I like so.
1: that. Yeah. I um, you know, <clears throat> archery is. I, I like how you've said. You know, archery is about solving problems, right? Yeah. You know, and. And people people take one thing too far, and then it causes a different problem. Sure, right? You know, like like the guys like I shoot I shoot airstrike arrows for example. I've, that, best arrow I've ever shot, and I shoot a four hundred and ten grain arrow. Yeah, you know, I'm running one hundred and sixty three grains up front because I shoot, shoot hundred twenty five grain point with uh, the gold tip insert systems thirty eight grains. So it's one hundred sixty three three grains up front gives me. 17 almost 17 foc for the mm-hmm. 410 grain arrow so i'm getting in my opinion they shoot really well in the wind yeah that's and, you
0: know and that's the importance you know to to you guys that don't understand foc it's really thrown around a bunch and i don't think people truly understand i don't it's, think so either it's true value yeah. i don't think it's a penetration value as nope. much as it is the wind performance wind.
1: that's that's where <laughs> no. i've seen i've shot side by side with low foc and high foc and i feel they, they move less than the yeah, wind jim bath you
0: know. is a an old guy down in Manhattan can been around forever. Yeah. And just killed a bunch of giant whitetails. Yeah, have you heard of him? I haven't. But no, this guy for thirty years has shot giant whitetails with a two hundred and eighty grain arrow with a fifty five grain rocket glued in the front of it. Unbelievable. But yeah. again, you're talking yeah. thirty five to forty yards yeah. in, and he wants it fast so they don't jump the string. That's right. Solving a problem. That's right. right. So that and problem, that problem doesn't. The problem of FOC doesn't really crop up to him because of his distance. Right. 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 But when you're shooting in the west, you're
1: going. Yeah, I and, might be shooting ninety yards in a lot of wind. Yeah, in and the and, wind. And yeah. The FOC helps, right? And I'm shooting extremely small veins again mm-hmm. for that crosswind performance. And I try to balance all these things. Like guys, guys get hung up like on these heavy arrows, right? In these two blade broadheads and penetration, and and it, it's like they think they're they're shooting like a bigger rifle or something, you know? <laughs> and and the thing is, like, it's like okay, you're right. A 600-grain arrow with a two-blade broadhead is going to out-penetrate my 410-grain arrow. Not necessarily. Well, I mean, if we're shooting through ballistic gelatin or whatever. No, it's not. You don't think so necessarily? Have you seen Joel
0: Maxwell's tests? I've done the same thing. Yeah. If you take the same bow, and a bow is sitting there at 85 to 87% efficiency,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you take a 400-grain arrow, a 500-grain arrow, and a 600-grain arrow, and you shoot it out of the same bow, that tells you how much energy that, that bow put into that arrow. Right, right. I did this test one time with the Matthews LX Pro Hunters and some some uh, full metal jackets. Not mm-hmm. one time did the pe- full metal jacket out-penetrate the Pro Hunter. And Joel Joel did the same thing. If you look on his mm-hmm. stuff on, on uh, Facebook and Instagram, the penetration was almost always equal. Mm-hmm. Because the bow puts the energy into the arrow. The, mm-hmm. arrow. the arrow can only harness so much energy. Right, right. Now, yeah. that's not to mean that that arrow... Does it retain its energy better downrange? Right. Okay. Yeah. But how much energy you need to pass through any given animal is based on the animal itself. So that's kind of where the consideration needs to be made. I think the broadhead design, we were talking about Paige shot uh, two Cape Buffalo and she shot Mm -hmm. a giraffe. Well, she brought over these broadheads that she shoots. such kind of a little tiny four blade and they're like, you're not shooting that. Mm -hmm. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, two blade only on dangerous game. Um, and, and, and I think they've seen it enough that yeah
1: the problem is, yeah. is it's the
0: way their, their ribs and stuff overlap. You, you definitely have to do a two blade.
1: Yeah. So, the, and that's, I think my, my point is though, that people will take one problem and take it too far, right? trying to solve it. Like the, the guys who are trying to solve the penetration problem, you know, they're shooting heavy arrows, two blades, whatever. But now they're shooting an arrow that shoots like a rainbow, right? you know, shooting 260 feet per second. Oh, Paige said, so you should shoot 215. Man. Yeah, I mean, that, and <laughs> and that like, okay, fine. Like, if, you, if you're shooting at a known distance yeah. over water or something, that can be acceptable. But the type of hunting we do in the West, yeah. like we need a fast arrow. Yeah, And, you know, for me, I th- the bigger, the animal, the smaller the broadhead. The smaller the animal, the bigger the broadhead. Right. So if I'm shooting a moose, I am shooting. I shoot a small three-blade fixed. Grim Reaper. I shoot, yeah, I shoot the Hades. That's a really good head. And, 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 and look,
0: people need to look at the point of this head, too. You know, I always tell people, use the litmus test. If I'm going to shove that through my hand, which one would go in easier? <laughs> Pretty easy to understand that concept. I'm not a big fan of yeah. single bevel heads and stuff because there's no way – that thing's gonna go through my hand way easier than a single bevel. That's, right? quite, that's quite an image. You know, yeah. that same head there, too. Look at that. See, now that's that's my White Tail head. Yeah, that's a dang needle point. I love those heads on those Grim Reapers. That's yeah. one of my favorite fixed blade heads, actually. But I I've,
1: I've been able to tune my setup where I can get, I carry three broadheads, it three different types. I carry a a small fixed head, I carry a, a medium-size, like inch and three-eighths mechanical, and I carry inch and three-quarters mechanical. And given the shot, they all group together out to 100 yards really? with my field points. Well, as long as you so, do the due diligence. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I've te- yeah, I shoot all this stuff, right. and they all shoot well, and I I tune my stuff fanatically, and like you said, my draw is so short I can get away with a lot. Yeah, but um, that would
0: never work for me.
1: <laughs> but probably
0: these would probably just come open in flight the moment my broke bow hit them. But <laughs> yeah,
1: you have to super glue them.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> kidding, kidding. But, but you you're right. People do like take the FOC and thing out of out of control you know it's it, just because a little bit more is is better doesn't mean a whole lot more is that much better Well, you start
1: offsetting other stuff and a know? lot of
0: the ashby studies and stuff were done back when bow efficiency like joel joel talks about with done recurs and stuff yeah where bow efficiency was not at its highest. With a recurve and a longbow, your efficiency is not that good. How much mm. energy the bow transfers into the arrow is lower. So the mass weight of the arrow yeah. actually has.
1: What are efficiencies at these days on a modern compound? It's mid
0: eighties. So, mid-80s, and 80s according about. to him, you know, Joel's big Bennett Matthews since forever, you mm-hmm. know, and has a lot of conversations with their engineering team. And, you know, most of the engineers at Matthews shoot light arrows, mm-hmm. 350 to 400 grains. Hmm. Yep. You know, because yep. they understand that, you yep. know, when I shoot a 350 grain arrow, I get one foot per second for every three grains of arrow weight. Yep. If I shoot a 500 grain arrow, I get one foot a second for every four to five grains of arrow weight. Mm-hmm. So at some point it takes more to get that mass into motion. Yes, I can see it. takes more to stop that mass too. But, yeah. you know, the balance is, is what, a, what problem are we trying to solve as a bow hunter? That's right. To me, number one problem bow hunter has. estimation. How far it is from here That's to there. That's
1: number one problem.
0: I shot a monster mule there last year, and I was shooting 320 foot a second, and he was 35-inch wide buck, and I popped over this ridge, and he was there, and I ducked back down, and I tried to get up and range him, and it was in the grass, and I was panicking because I thought he was going to blow. Yeah. And so I made the decision to come up, judge, and shoot, and it was a mistake.
1: Yeah. I it's, probably
0: missed him. I'm an expert yardage judge, and I probably missed him by seven, eight yards. Yeah. You know, shot him yeah, through yeah. the clipped his leg or something stupid Uh, you know it's just like
1: that was just yardage estimation is number one and so if you can if you can get some more speed and and in addition to that if you can cut a bigger hole well if if you're if you're slightly off and you have a huge hole i mean people talk about penetration look if you hit it if you there's only one direction that penetration helps and that's if you hit it in the shoulder yeah if you hit it back up or down i'd rather have a two-inch broadhead Exactly. And so you're telling me for like literally 20% chance of the miss is gonna be in the shoulder that just for that one thing, you're gonna shoot a two blade broadhead. And if you hit it 80% of the time you're missing, it's high, low or back. In fact, usually it's back because the animal's walking. Yeah. Back is the most common miss. Exactly. Not they act like
0: everybody misses
1: in the shoulder, right? Exactly. <laughs> that, I mean, it's like, okay, so you're solving for one problem, and you're ignoring all the other problems. Yeah.
0: Well, You know, when I first started shooting rear-deploy mechanicals, I shot NAP kill zones. The first, I shot two does with them up in Wyoming, and I hit, I think, it, well, anyway, I, I made two liver shots. Yeah. And both of those animals died in 100 yards, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And that's the difference. I've hit animals where the wind took the arrow and hit them right in front of the hips. Yep. And you might as well hard shot them. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. I mean, they went down so fast. And, with a big cut. Because of the big cut. W- You're exactly the right. With big cut, man. Jake, Jake, That Jake, same
1: yeah. shot with a tiny little yeah. three-blade fixed, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Or a two-blade. You got to be careful. You know, a you you know uh, yeah.
0: Jed at A3 Guy Service in Arizona? Yeah, I they mean, I know A3, yeah. They kill some monster bulls yeah, down on do. the White Mountains and yeah. stuff. And Jed told me, I think it was last year or the year before at the expo up here, he's like, I'd rather have a guy show up in camp with a rear-deploy mechanical.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: recover more elk shot with rear-deploy mechanicals than any other design. Interesting. And right. that's just because it's a huge sucking chest yeah. wound, right? Yeah. Most of the time, you're not passing completely through elk. Big bone animals or their quarter yeah, it's very, and, and
1: especially if you hit that off shoulder. A
0: lot of those shots, I mean, I've seen, over the years, it's always been kind of right at dark. you got a herd of animals, and they blow, and you don't mm-hmm. know where they went. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, with a little fixed blade like this, you may or may not have blood for 30, 40, 100 yards. Yeah. And that gets really
1: tough to try to sort out. So we, we killed probably, I don't know, 400 black bears mm-hmm. in my area when, we, when I owned it. And the number one thing we had lost bears on were tiny fixed blades. Yeah. And, you know, bears, they don't bleed much. There's the fat and they just, yeah. they, you know, they... Did you punch we, a massive hole in their chest? Oh, dude, they're dead in 30 yards. Yeah, it's because like they, they die.
0: I think people don't understand the sucking chest wound. When yeah. I was in the military, they'd always taught us how to fix a sucking chest wound. And I got to thinking about that. It's like, well, when you blow a giant entry hole, their whole entire cavity fills with air and they pass out so quick. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, they just can't, they just can't get a compression in their chest to get a breath. Yep. So, yeah. So just like I, the, the old- I ju- love big holes, man. I mean, you know about the rear naked choke, right? You're no, a jiu sure guy. I do it every
1: day. This day. Six a, days a week. This guy's a jiu-jitsu master too. So I'm not rolling with them. No, I, I, we, were, we were thinking about maybe doing some extra footage here. We got a, yeah. we got a mat right here, so.
0: Yeah, I had a, I, my wrestling stopped at ninth grade. I I, I probably get schooled. <laughs> only thing I can do is keep them at arm's length. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: anyway, we're drawing a close to this conversation. It's been about an hour So, um, You know, it's been a good uh, yeah, conversation, Alan. Too. And yeah. uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you being a part of the uh the uh, Archery Ops podcast, we hope to, you know, just build on this and, you know, bring all kinds of experts to the archery
1: and bow hunting community so that we can all learn together. So, yeah, well, thanks, man. And I appreciate Gold tip. Uh, I've been shooting your arrows for many years. It's a fantastic yeah, this, product. Airstrike, man, it changed my life. I love it. Yeah, this
0: arrow. airstrike, what he, what he commented on this airstrike, just gave him good FOC with speed. And that was exactly why it was designed. It was designed as a lightweight shaft that allowed you to either shoot fast with one component mm-hmm. or faster, or just as fast as you were doing with more FOC. So You
1: put the, the standard in-out search system and the, the in-out mm-hmm. and 125 grain, you have 163 grains up front and you're still freaking fast. It's, yep. it's, a, it's an awesome setup.
0: Yep, it's a great setup, it really is. And it, the sister to this arrow is the black label quantum. You can get that yeah. through. It's a dealer only arrow, I use that a lot. It's a black shaft that doesn't have the gray coating, but uh, mm. same great arrow. Um, you know an arrow is just a broadhead delivery system they all are tools to get a job done it's just like you wouldn't use the same nail for every job Mm -hmm. in a carpentry project you won't use the same arrow for every job in a bow hunting or target archery scenario so with that we're going to close and uh if you guys want more uh information you know be sure to follow uh alan on instagram what's your alan bolin just alan bolin a-l-l-e-n-b-o-l-e-n yeah. and you know share some of his hunts and successes with him he's got some good videos on there if you guys want to learn how to tie a peep in we did a video with him here yeah. in this, in this yeah. shop several years ago and it's got a lot of views i think so it does it's, that is the best peep tie-in system yeah for it's, sure. it's pretty Thanks pretty awesome so yeah. um again yeah. gold tips youtube channel there's a lot of information there we we hope to bring more and more to you all the time uh, we have hammers hacks that follow these uh these sessions that, you know, give you a, a little tip or a trick that, you know, that I know that might help you become a better bow hunter and target archer. Hey, before you go, there's a great way to get even more info and tips. Follow this podcast and check out Gold Tip on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. And as always, start tough and stay
1: true.